Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm really happy to have Rob Wolf with me today. And if you don't know who Rob Wolf is, I'm sorry, um, but this guy is a former research biochemist. Yes, a former research biochemist. But more importantly, he's a best-selling author of uh, The Paleo Solution and Wired to Eat. He's got a newer book out that he's co-authored called Sacred Cow. And as many of you may or may not know, he was uh, the first and fourth CrossFit affiliates gyms in the world, which is a pretty spectacular history, all the goods and bads of it, but um, just a lot of knowledge around food and health and and the things that really matter in life. So, hey, Rob, welcome to the show, man. Huge honor to be here. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's, uh, if you, you know, for a guy like me, who's been in in the CrossFit functional fitness world, you know, for, for a minute, um, you know, you, you hear Rob Wolf and everybody's like brain just turns on. And I, I got to give you a big shout out. I, I, you probably know this, but um, I was listening to Rogan the other day and I know you've been on with him once or more. Uh, mm-hmm. And he just, you know, just dropped your name. I'll have to talk to Rob about that. He's talking about nutrition. I thought that was the mm. thing. So um, I'm not sure if you heard that one, but I did not. Nope. Yeah, nope. They were talking, oh, it was awesome. I guess we could just dive in. It was uh, Adam Curry. And he's been reading a lot about like this plant-based stuff and, you know, the replacement of meat with with these vegan patties and really the economic side of it, it, it goes way well beyond like the, the health initiative. It goes well beyond the, the sustainability or the methane issue. It goes to the fact that it's just freaking cheaper and easier to produce. So I don't know if you've had any thought around that. He, he was suggesting that the uh, plant-based stuff was cheaper and easier to produce. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I couldn't necessarily get into details, but he's just talking about how it's, um, maybe easier to reproduce and and get faster to the public. I'm not quite sure, but he's a big, yeah, he's a huge proponent of 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 meat of beef. Uh, oh yeah. Oh okay. So yeah. oh, oh interesting. I I would need to listen to it because yeah. uh, uh, there have just been a couple of uh, Forbes pieces and some other things where. Um, so for a long time, I've been talking about these things called life cycle analyses, where they basically go in and they figure out every input every output of of a thing so there was a there was a life cycle analysis done on like a prius a, a number of years ago and they compared it to like a hummer and it was basically which one has the larger carbon footprint and o- over like a 10 year period of running it and whatnot and surprisingly the prius doesn't pencil out well at all and it's because that battery like you have to mine the lithium and, and you know all these rare earth uh, metals um, in kind of remote, weird locations, and then that stuff the the ore needs to be shipped somewhere for processing, and then as it it basically gets shipped back and forth around the world four, five, six times. Like I I, I forget the exact details, but ironically that that uh, Prius, if we're really wrapped around, and, and there's arguments for and against. Um, electric vehicles that go uh, beyond this stuff. But, um, uh, you know, if you're just going to get wrapped around the axle of like carbon emissions and, and carbon equivalents and all that type of stuff, this, the Prius doesn't pencil out well relative to a, a Hummer, which blows people away and they can't believe it. But this is where math, science, physics are handy because it yeah. actually tells you the truth. Not, not you know, if you if you ask the question properly, you're willing to let it take you to its its um uh, you know endpoint. Uh, then it, it it can it can give you some very counterintuitive stuff. So a lot of this plant based you know meat alternative stuff, which I always find it funny, like. People who are into meat are not trying to make meat look like carrots and broccoli, but all the, you know, like meat is supposed to be this horrible thing, but the plant-based people just can't not, they're so excited to try to replace meat, which is, you know, supposed to be this horrible thing. So I, I, I don't know, why don't you just eat beans and rice and call it a day? But, um, but there's some pretty good life cycle analyses that are coming up and, uh, uh, it, it doesn't look favorably on the, the, 
ecological side and just the cost, like the, 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 what arrives at the consumer. So like impossible burgers are more than double the price of grass fed organic filet. Is that for the consumer or for the producer? For the, well, both. Really? The, the, the consumer okay. is, is that cost. You're going to have to listen you know? to that because I'm, I'm feeling now like maybe I totally misheard it, but there was some sort of like financial benefit on one end for this, for this plant-based options. So I, well, I, and I mean, people say that all the time, but just at, at the checkout stand, it, it it's pretty easy. Like uh, impossible burger costs twice as much as oh, what yeah. like grass fed organic filet costs per pound. So yeah. My 17 year old's really funny. He's, um, he's really super thin and, and we're working really hard with him on eating more real foods and, and more protein and really kind of dialing it in. He's really focused on it, but you know, he's just this consumer. He's, he's part of this consumer age. He has his own car. He has his own debit card. He makes his own money. He stops by at the convenience store. Well, <laughs> a couple months ago, he's like, he's, we get home and he's already home and he's made himself some dinner. And I'm like, what are you eating? He's like, chicken nuggets. I've seen these at the store and they're really, really, every, they're everywhere and, and they're, they taste great. And he's eating. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, let me look at the box. I'm like, dude, these are plant-based. He's like, what? I'm like, these aren't re- chicken. He's, they're like called nugs or something. Right. <laughs> we had such a good laugh and he's like, but they're really good. Guess what? He never ate one again. They're still so oh, funny. Funny. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if it's like a psychological thing, but he knows that I'm, I'm, I absolutely love beef. I love meat. Like, it's just, like, that's what I consume the most of. So right. I don't know if it's like, Hey, I want to make my dad proud and not eat this stuff or what it was, but it's funny because he was, he did, he had no clue. So they're doing a good job at this mimicking of flavor. I, right. I don't know what it takes to get there, but a lot of good chemistry. <laughs> and I told him, Hey, like, look, marketing works. <laughs> like yeah. you saw it everywhere. There's a picture of a chicken on the front. Like you talk about this emulating the real thing. It's this is crazy. Like right. I put a picture of a chicken if there's no chicken in there. I, I just don't right. understand it. So anyway, um, yeah, just uh, let's, let's, let's move this into something that might be really interesting for the listeners and that's food and your kids. I have something I really want to talk to you about because you know, you're, you, I don't know how much of a pie. I'd love to say you're a pioneer in this, in this movement. I really think you are in kind of the, the paleo eating, um, and pioneers get the arrows. So I would <laughs> agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, I, I'm always curious how folks like you who, who have written books and are well known and how do you take this knowledge and, and belief in what you believe? And, and by the way, I'm 100% behind you. I've really focused, refocused my, my eating this way. And that's when I'm functioning at my absolute best. Uh, and we can go down that road in a bit, but that's when I, I'm sleeping better. I feel better. I'm healthier. I, I don't get headaches. I mean, we just go on and on, but, um, and I, we also talked about in another podcast I did with you about like, I have, I had ulcerative colitis Mm -hmm. and those things, those things just go away when, when I'm eating in the way that you kind of preach. Um, but, but just really, how is this applicable in a, in the life cycle of raising kids? Your kids are seven and nine. Yeah. Seven. and So yeah, still pretty moldable. But I imagine yeah. there's a lot that you did early on to kind of raise them up in this environment. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny, like for the people who are like the uh the paleo or food elitists, they're gonna be horrified that like I'm as lax as I am. And then for people who live like cockroaches, they're gonna think that I'm an absolute Nazi, horrible yeah. parent, you, and, you know, CP. Yeah. yeah. So so nobody is gonna be happy on this, which tells me that I'm probably doing pretty, pretty close to the right good thing. Rating. Like yes. yeah, so long as I piss everybody off, then I'm, I'm, I'm like good. <laughs> my my, my job is done. Um so I mean, let let's just start early. Um, my my wife had our, our first daughter, and you know, you we uh we were able to breastfeed ish. Like we didn't get a good latch. And so my wife pumped for over a year because she's a saint and, and, uh, you know, um, we traveled and did all kinds of stuff with this fucking pump in tow. And like, it was, it was really something else. Uh, but then we started facing 
you know, the introduction of, of real foods. And so I have celiac disease. I have this mm. gluten intolerance that is an absolute no-go. And I've also just seen so many people, I mean, thousands of people with, with kids with different gut issues, ADHD issues, behavior issues, health issues, that would they clean things up and they move towards this kind of paleo-esque way of eating that they did really, really well. Like they went from feeling terrible, acting terrible, you know, whatever. And they do kind of a qualitative shift and, and there's magic. So I was pretty bought in. I'm like, okay, well, I, I want to do something like this, but I'm going to have to figure out like the, you know, the balance with all this stuff. So I think the first solid food that we gave our kid to chew on and like the baby led weaning stuff was bacon. So, you know, and she loved it. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, it was like in the world to start with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it was uh meat and fruits, uh, a little bit of veggies, but funny enough, the kids are not huge fans of veggies. And, and I think that that's kind of a, um, it's almost like cigars and dark chocolate. Like you have to develop a taste for that stuff later. Like it, it, it's not something that's just kind of, you know, inherent to you. And um, we do, you know, I, our kids eat probably a little bit on the lower carb side, just because we don't do a ton of junk. Like we never went down like the goldfish route and all that just kind of crap food because what my second book, Wired to Eat, talks about the neuroregulation of appetite. And I know for a fact that people get highly habituated to particular types of food, like steak and broccoli and a cheese sauce and all that can taste amazing. Or it can taste like cardboard if you're used to eating stuff that's out of a box or a bag and has been engineered to be hyper palatable and taste totally amazing. And and so I, it, you know, by and large, I wanted to get the kids comfortable with eating whole real food. And, um, I, I think so far it's been good. Like, uh, uh, only one kid has needed antibiotics once in the, wow. the time that they've been around. And when I was a kid, by the time I was nine years old, I can't tell you how many times I had strep throat and this and that, you know, I was on a, a conveyor belt of, um, antibiotics. And, uh, I think that that was part of the problem with me ultimately developing ulcerative colitis with both the diet and I was, you know, constant antibiotic use. I ended up developing acne, which is mainly driven by dairy consumption. So I didn't know that in my teenage years and you don't want to walk around looking like a pizza. And so you do Accutane and, and, uh, you know, tetracycline. I was on tetracycline for acne between the age of, uh, 13 and mm -hmm. 24, 25 thereabouts, you know, so no wonder that my guts are, are pretty hammered, but, um, you know, fast forward, we are, our kid, we have a gluten-free house because I'm, I'm super reactive to it. And I just see there's nothing in gluten that you can't get from, you know, gluten containing things that you can't get from rice or potatoes or sweet potatoes or what, what have you, you know, it's, it, it's cool for making bread because it has this, you know, cool consistency to stick together, but there's decent alternatives. Um, and so as we've motored forward, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, big picture, like, uh, one thing that I've, I've done is try to set the kids up so that they can self-regulate with what, what, what they go get. So we get these, uh, lilies, um, dark, dark chocolates, and some of them are dark, you know, some are like 55%. They're kind of the lighter end. And then my wife and I get like the 75, 80% stuff and it, it is sugar-free. It's stevia sweetened. And I just have those in a drawer in the kitchen and the kids can self-regulate on that. Like they can eat whatever they want to on that. And what I think is fascinating about that is the kids really like it, but they'll go break off a square and they'll chew on it and they'll, they'll motor around and then they're done. Whereas like when Halloween hits and they do a Snickers or they do a Twix or they do a Reese's peanut butter cup, they'll, they'll like after uh, Halloween, we found candy wrappers like hidden under the pillows of their, oh. their bed. And th this is where we are like, okay, do you guys see what you're doing here? Like this stuff is so addictive that you're hiding it and sneaking in the bedroom. And I just talk to them like adults. I, I'm like, listen, there's going to come a day where I will not be in your life. Either I'll be dead or you'll be grown up and moved away and doing your own thing or, you know, whatever. And you are going to be tasked with making good decisions, hopefully. And you have to understand, like, 
why is it that that Lily's chocolate, it, it, I'll ask them, it, it, I try to do a lot of Socratic method. I try not to talk at them. I try to ask a lot of questions and kind of draw them out. So what's the deal with this Lily's? Is it good? I'm like, yeah, it's good. What about these other things? They're really good. Okay. They are really good. Is Are they so good? Can you turn them off? And they're like, no, I can't. I'm like, okay, so what do we do about that? And it's like, well, maybe we don't always have them around. And, and they, they come up with great decisions, you, you know, great, great responses to it. And so, um, uh, you know, if we go to a, a friend's birthday and there's like gluten cupcakes or whatever, um, and my oldest daughter does react to gluten. So it's not just me. Like she, she gets kind of a tick. So she gets, she doesn't get gut issues. She gets a neurological response and she, oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> <clears throat> and she just for hours and like, you'll remind her, you're like, Hey Zoe, what are you doing? She'll stop for like 30 seconds. <clears throat> and so it's this kind of weird ADHD kind of, kind of tick thing. And, and I thinking back, I remember shit. I used to do that as a kid. I didn't start wow. off with gut issues. So neurological stuff is one of the first things that happens with celiac disease. So I just make my daughter aware of it. I'm like, well, Zoe, this is a thing. And I went from right now, like they can eat out. And if they get some French fries that are cooked in a fryer that has gluten in it, they don't react to that. She doesn't get this, this tick deal. But I told her, I'm like, what I'm worried about is if you eat gluten all the time, you're going to get to where I am, where you can't eat it's hard to eat out. It's hard to do anything. You know, it, it, you know, it makes this stuff really difficult. So I don't lambast her. I don't make her feel bad for it. I lay out these options. I'm like, here's the reality of our world. And, and, uh, it, and we can make decisions about how we navigate this. So I try to, um, put out options for them. So like, I also, my wife's been on a, uh, a Thai food kick lately. She, she's been making green curry and chicken satay and all this stuff. So we went to the Asian market and I got these little, um, sesame, uh, honey wafers mm -hmm. and they're amazing. Like I love these things. It's awesome. Mouth, mouth feel like crunch and all that. And I, I bought several of these. I knew the kids would like them and the youngest really, really liked them. Like to the tune that the other night I, I watched her, she went over, opened the package, ate one, squirreled around, played some piano, came back over, opened another package, ate another. And I didn't say anything, but then at dinner, I'm like, hey, kiddo, how many of those things did you have? And she was like, uh, I'm not even sure. I'm like, yeah, because you went on this autopilot deal and you weren't even aware of what you were eating. You were just eating. I'm like, that's a problem. The, the people who pay us a lot of money to help them lose weight or change their lives, they end up in this situation. So all I'm asking you to do is leave them in the cabinet and when you get one down, I want you to like mark it in your piano book that you got one. And all that I want you to do is be aware of what you're doing. I don't want you to be on autopilot. She's like, and she's seven years old, mind you. She's like, okay. So I didn't like beat her down. I didn't, oh, you're a horrible person. You're going to get fat. Like, I don't talk about weight or body composition at all. The only thing that I mentioned around that stuff is like, is I asked them, do you like being the tallest kids in all of your jujitsu classes by your age and everything? Like, yeah, like they, they're super tall. My nine-year-old is um, five feet tall. And wow. so I'm five foot nine. Um, everybody in my side of the family was the shortest person other than myself was my dad, who was six, three, like oh, I have be half, half, yeah. So I think they're going to be really tall. Yeah. They're not going to be gymnasts. They're going to be uh, volleyball players probably. So, um, that's the only thing I don't talk about. I, I mentioned that other people have weight issues and have health issues related to their weight and all that stuff. But so I'm trying to thread this needle of not creating food issues, you know, disordered eating and all, all the rest of this stuff. So I focus on like, do you like being strong? Do you like being able to climb ropes and go to jujitsu and go snowboarding and all this stuff? I'm like, yeah. So I make it very performance oriented. One thing that I, I really learned early on running our, our CrossFit gym and the cool, a cool thing about CrossFit is that because it's performance oriented, I almost never had women who ended up with disordered eating mm. because you write the name on the board and then you come in dead last and you will kill someone to change that outcome. And so if somebody's been at the top of the leaderboard and then they start falling, 
I'm like, what's going on with you? And they're like, oh, I've been skipping meals. I'm like, why are you doing that? Well, I want to lean out. Well, we can lean you out, but like your performance sucks. Do you want, do you want like Charlene to continue to kick your ass in here? And they're like, fuck (laughs) that, you know? And so this performance orientation, if you, uh, you know, what, what is it? A a form follows function. You focus on performance. Like I want to be a a kick-ass, you know, middle distance runner or gymnast or whatever. If you focus on that, then everything else just plays out and you take on the, the, the form of that, that middle distance runner, you know, whatever that stuff is. So I really try to focus on, um, you know, getting them excited about being able to do things, not like, well, you need to watch your weight and we don't even talk about that stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I know I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but it's, uh, you know, that that's kind of the general thing. And I just talk to them a lot. And here's something that I say all the time. I don't know what the right answer is to this. I'm guessing, but here's what my thinking is. And I talk to them and walk them through that stuff and it takes time and I have to be present. Like I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a, I've created a, an environment where I have some, some time to be present for them. And, you know, we're driving jujitsu and different things and I'll talk to them about different things like this, but I also tr- just, um, kids really pick up on emotionality and I just try not to be aggro about this stuff. You yeah. know, I'm like, Hey, you, you, and also I really couch it in someday. I'm not going to be here to tell you all the things you know, and I'm going to give you some advice, but you know, you can nod your head now and, um, you know, and when you're out doing your own thing, you'd be like, well, fuck you old man. And it's like, okay, cool. That, that, that's on you. That's fine. That's an option, you know, but, um, I'm, I'm just trying to give you guys some awareness so that you, and I think that they pick up on that. Like they get the sincerity. And the thing is, I'm not trying to control them. I'm really not trying to control specific behaviors. Um, I'm trying to give them a sense of here are consequences based on what you're doing and, and do you like that or not? And so I really like that approach. Yeah. I I feel like it gives them little to push back against. They're not picking up on like some, you know, hyped up emotionality on my part where it either scares them or it makes them like, Ooh, I got to rise out of the old man. So I'm going to do this, you know? And, and so that's where we're at and they're, they're seven to nine and I don't know where that's all going to finish. Um, it is worth noting that, uh, so like Friday nights, we do a family pizza night and it's gluten-free pizza. And my wife usually gets like the Udi's pizza crust and, you know, makes them the really, really good. And it's about two years ago that both girls separately came up to me and they were like, Hey dad, can you guys cook like some chicken or some hamburger on pizza nights too? When I just, when I don't have any protein at all, I, I don't feel good afterwards. Whoa. Sure. Yeah. So that was super powerful. Like they, they, and what was interesting to me about that is they generally feel so good that even though they enjoy, they love the pizza, they really love the pizza, but uh, you know, Zoe, my oldest was like, I just feel like if I have some chicken or some hamburger or something with it, like I just feel better. I'm like, well, of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like that, if that is the way that she handles the rest of her eating throughout her life where she's like, oh, I felt like shit after that. I need more protein with it. So I, I'm just balanced. I'm, I'm done. I, I, I succeeded as a parent right there. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats, but we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow, will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from 
It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy, but go to the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business, send it to your boss, send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. Well, I like the approach of this, this conversation with them. It's, it's a conversation. You're asking questions. You're asking them to evaluate and, and look at things at a different lang- level, asking them what was the outcome and why, why do you think it went this way? Because that only, not only teaches them around nutrition, it just teaches them about life. Another thing that I found really um, beneficial is just telling them my story of like what it does for me. It may be different yep. for you. Uh, my wife uh, is very fit and she has learned over time, um, you know, we're, we're in our upper forties. She's learned over time that at this point she, she does function better when she's eating more natural foods. She can, and I kid you not, she can eat Cheez-Its and, and crackers and cheddar cheese all day long and stay at like a 8% body fat and function like crazy. It's just a genetic difference, right? Um, so in this environment that we raised our kids, I was clueless about nutrition. Um, and um, she, that's how she was raised. And, you know, and it always worked for her at some level. And now we have these teenagers and we're both m- much more dialed in. And so we're kind of having to pull in rope, but I found it very useful to not like just take it away. But talk, ask questions like you, you've you mentioned. I've noticed that when I go without sugar for a solid amount of time, I can't have hardly anything and I get an intense headache immediately. And I notice that I get incredibly agitated and then I fall asleep. I mean, it's insane. Right. And um, I've kind of started to see this pattern with my 13-year-old and uh, just he'll get snarky and irritable. And so instead of saying, hey, don't eat that, this is what I've noticed. I'm like, how do you feel after you have a bunch of Oreos? And he, you know, he'll just sit there and he'll think, you know, he'll talk. I'm like, okay, just something to keep in mind. Now I'm not going to take the Oreos away. Like that's, that's not how life works. I found that, um, and, and you also talked about this, this thoughtless eating. I'm 48. And my wife just pointed out to me, um, last week in a very loving way. She's like, cause I'm, I'm totally cutting out like just chips. And I just thought, oh, I'm just having a few. She goes, no, no. Like you think you're just having a few, but you're not even thinking you're just grabbing and eating and eating. We'll stand there and talk for 20 minutes. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. Like, so there's just a lot of learning that has to be redone over time. And if we can get to them younger and understand that the the impact and the, maybe the consequences, not the consequences, but the, the, what happens when we do X and just let them simmer on it, let them yeah. learn and, and, and see it. So I think that's awesome. I, you also mentioned Lily's chocolate. It's amazing. If I have chocolate chips in the cabinet, I could eat them all. I have Lily's chocolate. I do it in the chocolate chip format, like the, the same thing, like yeah. the, the dark stuff. Um, I'll grab like five when I'm feeling like I need a sweet tooth. And that's all I need. It's insane right. how different that the chemicals or whatever in sugar creates this sensation of you can't stop. Yeah. And that's, uh, people are usually kind of aware of that, but it's, uh, you know, there are these, I I hate the term hack, like the whole biohacking thing. It it, (laughs) it just kills me, but it is kind of a hack where it's like, okay, you're still having chocolate, but this chocolate tastes good, but it doesn't taste so good that it's like you're selling your body on the street to pay for (laughs) purchasing more, you know, where it, it takes on addictive substance type type characteristics. And yeah, like you, you made a good point for folks with older kids. It's just tougher. Like if you've, if you've got years or just years of inertia with 
kind of subpar eating, like you can always change. You can always begin riding the boat. A, a lot of what I've found is helpful is focusing on addition, not removal. So it's like, hey, just make sure you get adequate protein. And yeah, well, why do I need protein? Yeah. Well, kids are always into something. Gaming, athletics, you know, piano, horseback riding, whatever. They're, 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 they're typically into something. It's like, well, if you want to be more on point with your gaming, then your neurotransmitters are going to work better when you've got some protein. So have some of that be before or with the other stuff you have. And uh, and lo and behold, kids, if, if they will tinker with that, they do notice they feel better. You're not specifically trying to remove an item. Like that can kind of come later. It's like, hey, if you want to like, you know, if your gut hurts every time you have a regular sandwich, maybe we have rice or sweet potatoes or something and they try it. And they're like, oh, okay. And I like those and you, you do it, you know, so you can tinker with that. But instead of focusing on the removal, focus on the addition of, you know, better options. And really the better option, I, I, I think out of all that is protein. And if that boils down to like jerky or meat sticks or good quality cheese or whatever, like focus on that because that is really the thing that's going to stick with, with folks. And, and if people under eat protein, they will overeat everything else. And it always happens. And if you eat adequate protein, it's almost impossible to get people to overeat all the other stuff, you know, like at Mexican food, if, if a, uh, if a fajita platter came out first and we, even if we only had like one corn tortilla to, to use with it. So not a lot of carbs, but mainly like meat and veggies, maybe one corn tortilla. And then the chips came out, you'd pick at the chips, you'd have a couple of them, but yeah. you're not going to, you know, when you were talking about eating the chips, uh, like when that's the first thing there and you've got a beer or a margarita it like, how many of those baskets can you dust between two people? Like a two, lot, three of them. Like I, I, you know, but if you ate all the protein first, I guarantee you that by the time you then get to, you know, and then they brought the chips out, you're, you're not going to eat as many. So the, this is just kind of prioritizing protein. And I think that that works for the, the whole family as a, a strategy. And so if you're, if the complexity is pay attention to how you feel, like what the results are of what you're doing, and let's try to eat more protein at meals and snacks. That's not a real complex story to tell. And we're not taking shit away. We're not, you know, there may be reasons for doing that. And, you know, that gets all complex and everything. But I think that that's a pretty damn good first whistle stop in improving the, the uh, nutritional background of a family. This episode is brought to you by the men of Alpha Hippie. Alpha Hippie is the premier men's coaching company, helping the men of Brotherhood of Fatherhood step up and be the change they want for themselves and their families. Alpha Hippie is for any man who feels like he's struggling to take action in his life or like he's burned a few too many bridges on his rise to the top. If you're the type of guy who spends all his time reading self-help books, trying to meditate, or consuming endless self-improvement YouTube videos, but nothing is quite landing like you think it should, then Alpha Hippie is for you. If you feel stressed, depressed, stuck, lost, or like you're not living up to your full potential, then Alpha Hippie is the answer for you. In the Alpha Hippie program, you will destroy your limiting beliefs, regain control of your life, and start to live with inspiration and motivation. Alpha Hippie is not one of those sign up and forget about it programs. We all know about those. It's not just watching a bunch of videos from a 20-year-old life coach. It's a program built by men for men who are ready to make a change and delivered by men who've gone through this themselves. That is very important. We have lived in the trenches and understand what it takes to rise up and craft a life worth living. If you're ready to stop making excuses and invest for yourself, then head over to brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Again, that's www.brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Yeah, man, this is, this hits home. So for me recently, and I've been talking with this through this with the kids, you had some blood work. It was funky, just one thing trying to nail it down. So I started tracking every time I start tracking food, I kind of hate that thing because it, it, it kind of does something with your brain and it's hard to sustain, but I always do that to kind of get a back on a baseline. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I just tell my wife, I'm like, okay, it's super easy for me to consume 2,200 calories in a day. Super easy. But when I focus on like hitting my protein, my protein goal for the day, if I'm, if I'm tracking, I have a protein goal because I want to hit reset where I, how I should be eating. Right. And, and don't eat, um, you know, complex ingredient foods, unless I put single ingredients together, it's kind of a very easy way for me to think about it. Right. You know, um, I have a hell of a time getting like 1800 calories. Yeah. It's not, (laughs) and you're not hungry. I'm like, I'm at dinner. I'm like, Kim, I'm just not even hungry. Right. And, and that tells you right there, the nutritional sustenance that is occurring because prioritizing real food and protein for me is like, (laughs) love to use the word you hate. It's a hack. Mm -hmm. um, But, but I, I found talking through that and having those conversations with my wife in front of my kids, like saying, man, this is what I've noticed. Even if I thought about it earlier, I want them to hear so that there's some connections that can start to be made. Right. Um, I heard you in a podcast recently. I don't think it was a recent podcast, but I was listening to you and Andy Stump talk. And uh, I think you were talking about drinking uh, calories. And I really liked that conversation because I think this is another thing. As soon as I listened to that, I went to my 17 year old son and said, Hey, I've noticed you bringing home a lot of sodas. You know, he's got, he's autonomous. He's got his car. He's got his debit card. Right. I'm like, like, let's look at how much that's cost you. What do you think? And he's like, eh. and then he kind of calculated ahead. He's like, oh, crap. I'm like, yeah, like, you do a lot of hard work and that's what you're spending your money on. It seems so cheap at each balance. But then I'm like, like, I was listening to, you know, this guy I know, Rob, talk about this. And um, so we just talked, we had a conversation about it. So tell me, I mean, you probably, I'm not sure if you can recall that conversation. Doesn't Yeah, work. yeah. But let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean that's a the focus on protein is is kind of one of my my biggies and the um no or minimal liquid calories is is another one and it's like uh juice is not good for your kids. Oh. It's just not, you know. And and it particularly in the way that people consume it when you look at the containers that that people drank juice in like the 1950s it was, it was like a shot glass. It was like a burly shot glass. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to have orange and apple juice in a burly shot glass and that's your serving fine, but people are having juice in like 30 ounce containers and they're getting what 30 ounce container. It's like a, over a hundred grams of sugar. Like it is, it is like having three Coca-Cola's, you know, and people are like, well, it's juice. It's better. It's like, no, it is no different. Like, it's just no different. Like, Nobody sits there to get a hundred grams of carbs from an orange. You would need to sit down and eat five oranges back to back who other than like a gorilla does that. Like nobody, nobody does that. And, and then you still have the fiber and the vitamins and the minerals. And the fact that it took you 30 or 40 minutes to eat those, those five, you know, versus like you're just sipping on it and you can burn right through that thing in, in no time. So, um, there's a lot of back and forth out in like the evidence-based nutrition world where people will say, if you don't overeat, then sugar doesn't matter. And I think there's some truth to that. The tough thing is that, you know, free living people tend to overeat, you know, it's like, well, there's the chips and here's this and here's that. But, but there are people, I, I think that they're mainly fitness competitors. I think that they all have wardrobes made out of human skins, uh, hanging in a hidden closet somewhere, but they're able to like eat half of a Twinkie and quarter of a donut and they eat their protein. They do this and they, they, and they look good. And, you know, then at some point we discovered that they're ax murderers and stuff like that. But, um, but liquid sugar legitimately has a, an effect on our metabolism. That's super bad. Uh, when we were growing up, there was something, there, there were two types of diabetes. There was adult onset and there was childhood diabetes and childhood diabetes is an autoimmune condition. Today, uh, there are children as, as young as 18 months old that have adult, what we would call adult onset diabetes, insulin resistant diabetes, which is caused mainly from these liquid carbohydrates. And one of the, what's happening there is people are 
feeding their kids huge amounts of sugar, mainly in the form of juices and sodas and, and stuff like that, and all these other hyperpalatable foods. And it's giving these kids what's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. It's wow. turning their liver into a, a, a chunk of Crisco, basically. And adult onset diabetes in children and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease was unheard of, unknown 20 years ago. In, in kids, like it did not exist. And it is now the leading cause of liver transplant need in children in, in the developed world. And so, you know, people can kind of dismiss it and they're like, oh, little Jimmy, you know, he did 35 minutes of soccer and he needs his, his you know, giant Gatorators, big gulp. No, little Jimmy does not. This is one point that I'll actually get a little bit fired up about. And I'm like, you fuckers need to put your thinking cap on because you're you're murdering your kids, feeding them <laughs> liquid carbohydrates. You know, it, it's uh it's and so here's it's bad. here's my crazy suggestion oh. on all that stuff is have your kids do diet soda. And this is where the hippies then fixed. freak out. They're like, oh my god, the artificial sweeteners. And it's like I'm a biochemist, I'm a toxicologist. Those things are not bad generally. And they're certainly not bad compared to feeding your kids massive amounts of sugar. Like they're, they're just not. And, uh, we, we always keep Zevia stocked in our, our refrigerator. Awesome. It's a Stevia sweetened soda. And, you know, here and there my like when we go out to eat, um, generally our kids just have water. Uh, but once or twice they've been at places where they're like, can I have some of that? You know? And it, it's like a soda. I'm like, sure. And they'll have it and they're like, this really isn't that good. Like they've kind of habituated to the Zevia stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this thing has a massive amount of sugar and it's bad for your teeth. And it's bad, you know, and so I kind of go through that. So even on, on that like beverage front, I think the kids are kind of savvy to like, here's a good way to do it. Here's not a good way to do it. Um, if we're on an airplane or something like that, then, uh, uh, you know, the stewardess comes around and like, yeah, get an apple juice, get an orange juice. And it's a, it's a big deal for them. Like the kids really like it and I'm not going to fight over that one. Like they're, they're suffering through TSA and being on an airplane and all that stuff already. So yeah, you can, you can have that, but it's just not, it's not something that we just regularly stock in the house, but that liquid carbohydrate is a big, big, big deal. And I, I think that the way that you win that, it's just like, dude, for the love of God, just do a diet soda, like get the same so, flavor and do a diet version of it. You know, it's yeah. so interesting. You say that because I was feeling a little guilty, but I didn't know how else to kind of take away that bridge, the gap from drinking a lot of soda to none. I'm like, we, we talk about like, um, and we'll talk a little bit about element, but we, we talk to our kids about, you know, getting the right kind of hydration and, mm -hmm. And we also villainize, we, we villainize like Gatorade and stuff. Cause it's like hand, hand them out like candy. I'm like, that's like a soda. Right. Don't do that before a game. That is not right. what you need. So I told him, I'm like, there's uh he loves Sprite. I'm like, there's a Sprite free or whatever. That's yeah. like zero sugar or Sprite zero. And he loves Dr. Pepper. I'm like, there's Dr. Pepper zero. They're not the best thing in the world, but I want you to focus in on switching. And he has, and he's like, it's not that bad. I'm like, I know, but I do find him, um, even at the age they're at, I have, you know, your product element in the cabinet and it's prominent. It's on, we have a door pantry and it's, it's hanging on the door. So it's right, right there. Cause I, I do one every day. I mix up a thing. And then if I mountain bike, I take some more, but the, um, he's like, so what, what should I do? I'm, I'm going to be working out. I'm just like, grab one of those. And, uh, and he'll just do it because he thinks it's better. And it, you know, right. it is. Right. <laughs> and um, so I'm really happy to hear that because it, it, there was a little bit of guilt in me, but I'm like, I just don't want him drinking this 42 ounce Dr. Pepper. I mean, right. I live in Texas and it's sweet tea, Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola. And right. it's like, like, go ahead and slap a diabetes shirt on right now. It's kind right. of right. So yeah, yeah. And uh, the irony there is, if you took the sweet tea and just used stevia or you know sweetener of your choice, artificial sweetener of your choice, like, uh, and it's so weird to me. Like, people will be like, uh, "Well, those artificial sweeteners are chemicals." Yes, they are. 
there's chemicals and everything. Like, and this is me being a chemist and kind of a dick where it's like, there's matter and energy. If it's matter, it's made out of chemicals. You say natural um, things are chemical compounds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, arsenic is natural. Lead is natural and they will kill you. Cyanide is natural and it will kill you. So being natural doesn't, it, 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 that, that's a meaningless statement, you know, or, or it really needs some context, but this is where we have to reverse engineer some things and just, you know, do we need massive amounts of sugar? No. Do we need super simple, simple calories in this world that we live in? No. Um, there was a report, uh, God, they were, um, it was, uh, sugar cane workers in like South and Central America. And they were giving these folks this like sugar cane water. It's before it gets, gets, uh, it's when they're processing the sugar cane, like it gets juice. So they give these guys this sugar water and it gives them lots of energy. They like it. It tastes good. And these guys in their twenties are dying of uh, uh, kidney failure. Wow. Their, their kidneys are just, they have non-alcoholic. The, and the, the interesting thing is these guys are lean. They, they carry, if they carry weight, it's right in their, their gut because yep. they get that, that uh, visceral adiposity. And they're dying of a kidney failure because of the massive amount of sugar and the inflammation that comes about from that and everything. They're working their asses off like they're they need five thousand calories a day to sustain the the workout put they're they're doing. And the sugarcane uh, uh, operations are like, well, yeah, they just hook hook this stuff up with spigots. It's like as long as these guys keep working, we'll just give it to them. Like it, it it's literally dirt cheap. The, the crazy thing, though, is these guys are dying in their 20s and 30s from stuff that we usually only see in people in their like 60s, 70s, 80s, and even then in people that didn't live a good life. Like they ate poorly, maybe they smoked, they drank a lot of alcohol, and then you end up with these liver and kidney issues. And these folks are developing it in their 20s, and it's from eating, you know, consuming these massive amounts of liquid sugar. That's That's crazy. I think it's a really good way to, to kind of think about the impact. I mean, if they're dying in their twenties and thirties, that's insane. I mean, right. and it, it, quite honestly, it's not much different than the kids stopping off at the quickie mart and grabbing, you know, the ultra super huge drink or whatever it's called. No, it, 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 qualitatively it's not, you right. know and I mean? The, the difference there is these sugar cane workers are, are working their asses off. Whereas generally our kids are not certainly right. not at the same magnitude. Yeah. But even there, like the folks who are, who are of the opinion, you know, I, I train a lot or I do a lot of physical activity. So I'll just burn it off. That liquid carbohydrate is a different animal. And I've, I've, the evidence-based nutrition folks have pushed back on pieces of this, but I think the, the, the reality is that when you, it's kind of one thing, if you're eating like a croissant or a bagel or something like, it's not necessarily good for you, but it's not hitting your system with the same speed that liquid uh, carbohydrates do when you, when you dump liquid carbohydrates into the liver, like some really bad things happen. And I, I, uh, I think that that science is getting better and better established and more and more compelling. And then when we just step back and look at the world at large, like you said, you know, like the, in the South, like sweet tea sodas, you know, that's the, that's the deal. I remember my grandmother would take, um, milk and then break up cornbread and put in there and then put sugar in that and, and eat that. And it was delicious, but holy smokes, man. Not good yeah. For you. yeah. 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 Okay. One more topic I, I'm curious about because when we're trying to talk to our kids about getting enough protein and I've had a lot of parents, I've seen a lot of conversation about this is about um, liquid forms of protein. And, you know, I, I've leaned on that a lot and I don't, I pay really close attention to my, my, um, my hunger level because I know it's not going to like cause me satiety. It's right. going to, it's going to leave me feeling the same way when I started, I'm going to chug 30 grams of protein and then feel like I'm full. No. Um, what is your view on that? Especially for kids who are in sports and, you know, we're talking about you know bulking or at least growing some muscle on their, on right. their, on their body or giving them the, the protein so that they can, because I mean, it's hard to eat real food enough protein in a day. It, it is, um, or it can be. I mean, so, some of the things that we do is uh, 
we'll fix more than one protein source. So like for breakfast today, I fixed some, some hamburgers and I did a 50, 50 mix of local beef that we have and local bison that we got, we got a whole cow, we got a whole bison. And then I, I mixed that stuff and the family likes it. So I cooked those and then I cooked a bunch of shrimp. And so uh, uh, one of the things that I mentioned in wired to eat is to minimize how much food people eat, make meals simpler. So don't have multiple flavor experiences. Don't create a buffet for your, for your, you know, your dining experience. But let's say we were just talking about protein and we, we had, a you know, like magically one wall of our kitchen opened up and it was like this uh, amazing buffet that mainly focused on protein. Like it had crab and lobster and shrimp and beef and pork and lamb and all these different iterations. Would it be hard to hit your protein level? No, no, no. Because you've got all these options. You grab a little bit of beef and a little bit of shrimp, a little bit of crab and like, oh man, there's 50 grams of protein. It'd be easy. So when we're trying to keep people from overeating, then we don't necessarily want every meal to be like a buffet, but we can tweak a little bit of that, that understanding to our benefit. And so for my kids, I usually try to have like two protein options at a, uh-huh. a given meal. So it, it, it may literally be like hot dogs and Kerrygold cheese, you know, and, and so maybe not even the best options, but it's two options. And the kids will always eat more of that protein. If I've got two things there versus expecting them to eat a double portion of one. So that is a thing that I do is trying to, to uh, get a little more variety there. Um, for folks that do a reset for part of our healthy rebellion community, what we recommend is cook more than, you know, cook two or three proteins and then do smaller portions of each one, but it adds up to like your 40 or 50 grams or, or whatever. Um, the liquid calories, it, like if somebody's really going for it, like they're, 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 they've got a really compelling story. They're really trying to, you know, pack some weight on. You've got some kid who, uh, you know, has some legit potential to, you know, they almost made varsity football their freshman year or something. And like, you for sure want to like stack the deck. So they do really well sophomore year or something. Okay. We'll, we'll stick in like a, a Perry workout shake or maybe an additional shake. Um, uh, but I, I find that people just default to that immediately. And then it's just like, then the garbage starts coming in and then, okay, the kid, the kid gets huge, but he gains 10 pounds of muscle and 30 pounds of fat and he's slower and actually he's really strong, but he's less powerful. And all of athletics other than powerlifting is actually about like, what type of force can you generate relative to your body? So like, you know, in, in football, my friend, John Wellborn played 10 years in the NFL. He is six foot five at his, at his peak. He was 310, 315 pounds at 8% body fat. And he had like a, a, like a four, six, 40 or something like he could move like a freight train and and versus what ends up happening is we get high school kids to 300 pounds and they're 40% body fat and they're slow. Like if they're able to get their mitts on you, sure. They can, they can, uh, you know, cause some damage, but they're super slow because their power to weight ratio sucks. So we didn't do that kid any favors. And, And this is some of the stuff where, Okay, maybe little Jimmy, like you, you've got to take a multi-year thing. It's like little Jimmy might actually be big Jimmy at some point, and he could play college and maybe even some professional football. So do we want him to peak in high school or do we want him to start peaking in college? And so then you have to have a really good discussion around like, well, what is the goal? Like, do we make him a huge fat kid that he now has metabolic and body composition issues and is going to hamper him? Or do we have a game plan of adding 10 pounds a year of muscle mass and like one pound a year of fat mass so that he becomes an absolute, like, you know, fire breathing animal by the time he's like, you know, college sophomore and, and pro teams are, are sniffing around the, the person. So I, I, uh, and that's hard decisions to make. Like uh, people want everything now, but these are some of the things that I, I, you know, so the kid wants to gain some muscle mass. Great. Okay. Well, smart strength training, not doing too much cardio. They need to sleep also. So if they're staying up all hours of the night, uh, you know, uh, that's not really going to help them. So 
maybe there's there's a case for a shake in there somewhere, but I, I really want some good context because otherwise we're just going to make the kid fat. Like if I want to make somebody fat, what do I do? I give them liquid calories. Mm. And and so we need to be really targeted and on point with with how we we do that stuff. You know, it's the things that I do for my overweight middle-aged folks are just kind of in reverse for the the younger kids that that maybe want to gain weight. You know, we we employ the buffet strategy. Maybe we do do some liquid calories, but we have to remember that well, I don't do the liquid calories in old sedentary people because it makes them fat. So we need to use it in a, a a targeted and smart, you know, way with the 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 shakes. I think that's a really good, uh, really good analysis. A really good way to look at it. Um, I think there's a, just it's a lot more complicated than I'm just going to beef them up, and right? I think that's your message. I'm not sure if you have time because we're we're knocking yeah, out. Yeah, I've got a couple more minutes. Yeah, okay. Because I want to make I want to I want to give you an opportunity to talk about Element because <laughs> this is a new thing in my life, and. Um, and I, and I like it, but I think a lot of people misunderstand it or don't know about it, probably don't know about it. Uh, so I want, I want you to kind of tell us what it is. Uh, you don't need to necessarily tell a story behind it, which is actually an awesome story, but um, why element over other things? So this, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a drink mix, it's powder. Uh, it's definitely salty. It's mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm in love with watermelon. And, and then now my newfound love is the, the raspberry. Ones. Yep. I'm bouncing around on these and I love them. So let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. I mean, it's just an electrolyte product that has a gram of sodium, a thousand milligrams of sodium, 200 uh, milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. And like you said, there's kind of an interesting backstory to how we developed it. Uh, the, the short part of that is I had no designs on being like a salt mogul, you know, <laughs> and, and then we, we found this need for additional electrolytes, uh, particularly sodium within the populations we were serving. We released a, uh, a how to make it yourself homebrew guide. And within six months of releasing that, we had a half million downloads of it. And so we're like, wow, this is really addressing a huge need. And then the people that had downloaded this guide made the homebrew. They were like, why don't you guys do some sort of a stick pack deal, you know, a convenience thing. And that's how the whole company came to to be and it, it's just uh every single <clears throat> action of life you know every muscle contraction every nerve impulse is driven by sodium potassium pumps it, you know it's a the way the atp the way the energy is produced in our body and so if we are off on those levels we will feel tired and lethargic and and you know have have brain fade and brain fog and and uh, at more extreme levels we get cramping at very extreme levels people can be hospitalized or die from from you know electrolyte imbalances and a classic example of this is uh, the the ultra marathoner who is drinking plain water at every station and it's kind of a warm day so that individual is sweating a lot and they they get midway through the race and they start getting really like out of their head and and they're not running out of carbohydrate they're not running out of energy their body can't function because it the sodium is depleted and they can get cerebral edema brain swelling and they can die from that so, so that's all the really extreme stuff but you know more you know germane to to day-to-day stuff for like families um ironically uh, uh most people are kind of sodium deficient particularly if they are eating well if you're eating a super processed diet, then you're probably getting enough sodium because processed foods tend to have a lot of sodium. But the ironic thing that happens is when people shift to a, a minimally processed diet, they tend to remove the bulk of the sodium sources. Then they're not doing things like eating pickles and olives and sardines and salami and stuff like that that are really good sodium sources. So they do need to bump up their sodium intake. And an easy way to do that is something like Element. Yeah. And it's, it's yummy. I mean, I, yeah, it tastes I good. First, yeah. When I first started it, I was like, Whoa, that's salty. And now I'm like, why did I think that was salty? So it, it didn't take me hard, hardly long at all and, um, adapted. And I really, I really enjoy it. And, uh, it just, I think it's awesome. I, I remember reading can't hurt me. And David Goggins was talking about just like downing a ton of salt tablets and like putting yep. it in pockets. So this is just a more palatable way of getting the yep. salt that you need. Yeah. It's, it's been a thing for a while. And then you told a story about, um, I think it was, well, golly, I could be mixing stories, but 
your your own need for salt use or sodium use in like your jujitsu and yep. you were experiencing a crash or some some issues around that if i remember correctly yeah yeah and i like i for for health issues i eat a pretty low carb diet because it it helps to manage my ulcerative colitis and some of the gut issues that i have but it's hard to do really glycolytic like high intensity activity like like wrestling or Thai boxing or CrossFit on a, a lower carb diet, um, particularly if you don't have adequate sodium. What's interesting is in a low carb environment, if you add significant amounts of sodium, it's not a, a one to one swap out like a, like doing a higher carb diet, but it's maybe eighty mm. percent. So like I got a whole bunch of that low gear that grind back when I I uh, properly addressed my sodium intake. So you know, a real center of the bullseye, you know, person for someone that would benefit from element is like a low carb or lower carb fueled athlete. But then what we find is everybody, uh, particularly if they're athletic, they end up being sodium depleted. Like the American council of sports medicine has recommendations, uh, between seven to 10 grams of sodium per day for athletes in hot, humid environments. As an example, you live in Texas, I do jujitsu and wear a gi, so it's hot and humid every day for both of us, you right. know. And it, it, you know, so so it's actually um, a lot more situations where it, it, it's appropriate to to think about, like, oh, I'm probably sodium depleted, and it's super easy. You you mix something like this up, or like you make the homebrew and you sip on it, or uh, you just go grab some pickle juice and do like a you know four ounces of it and shoot it down. 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, I feel way better. Like your brain is just kind of firing on all cylinders. You were sodium depleted prior to that. And so your neurotransmitters don't work properly. Your nerve impulses, muscle contractions, none of that stuff works well. And the kind of cool thing is that sodium is absorbed very, very quickly. So it's not like you need to wait a day or a week or a month. You know, it's not some subtle thing where it's like, yeah, I think I'm feeling better. It's, you know, 10 minutes later, you feel markedly better. And that's part of the reason why element has been so successful. I think it's one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies in the world right now uh, it's because there's this immediate, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. You know, it's, um, someone feels horrible. They try element or they drink pickle juice at our recommendation. They feel better and they're like, oh, those guys actually know what they're talking about. And then you you buy some credibility with, with folks um, because you give them good advice. And it's like, well, if this is your problem, then here's the solution. And if that doesn't work, then we've got some other, you know, thing that we'll play with. Yeah. 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 That's that's awesome. I'm I I kind of like the scientific approach, one variable at a time, right? Uh so I'm really excited when I'm feeling a little better now that I've gotten my carbs are way down because I'm because of the way I'm needing to eat. Um mountain biking, I want to, I'm going to add that to it and kind of play with that. And I know, cause I've been a little lagging on the, on the mountain biking endurance and like the, just the, my legs don't spin as fast. It's just not, right. something's not there. So I'm really looking forward to kind of placing it in that, that environment. Cause I, I well, I think it's going to work. So I know it will a little bit at least, but right. yeah. So I'm really pumped and I, I, I love the product and I highly recommend because a lot of people that listen to this are very active. It's um, kind of part of the, the listenership seems to be people who are pursuing health and fitness. So, right. man, I really appreciate your time. I uh, really value your insight, especially when it comes to eating and how we can do this realistically with our kids and, and kind of leave a legacy of long life and health and vitality in a way that's pretty simplistic. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it, it really is. I mean, the, it can get complex, but I think if we tackle these big picture things of making them aware of consequences and uh, empowering them with, um, Additive approaches, mainly like add protein, you know, add good foods. Don't, don't worry so much. And that will displace uh, the other things instead of like being the extractive, you know, uh, methods. Um, I think that, that works and it takes time and, and it doesn't need to be generally 100% perfect to be really effective. If the kids have type one diabetes or like gluten intolerance or something like that, then yeah, you have to be on point. Otherwise there's, there's really a, a terrible health consequences there. And that's a kind of a different conversation, but yeah, it doesn't, it's a lot of work in the beginning, but once you start getting some habits established, it's really not that hard. It's not that crazy. I don't think you're going to cause disordered eating in your kids and, and whatnot. And, uh, 
you know, just uh, one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate you taking the complicated and making it uh, less complicated for some of us simpletons or some of us, some, I won't say simpletons, people don't, who, you know, aren't research biochemists. It's like, that's not in our, in our nature. So it's really nice to have someone kind of bring it to the level where we can understand and actually implement things that make sense. Oh, thanks. I mean, when my network goes down, um, my computer guy doesn't go into deep detail about, you know, like uh, information theory and, you know, packet uh, information bundles. He's like, plug this thing into that and reset this. And, you know, there you go. So (laughs) we can't be experts in everything, but this is where I think a community like what you have built is awesome because you get some different subject matter experts. And if that person gives you information that you can trust and it's kind of, you know, we always keep some reserve, some credulity around things, but if the person has given you consistently good information, then it's like, I don't need to do a full, like, um, you know, Jason Bourne vetting on this process. It's like, right. I can trust this like exactly. 85, 90%, so long as it makes sense, so long as it's continuing to deliver the goods, then that's all, that's all well and good. Yeah. Well, for, for listeners, if you haven't done so, like go pick up the paleo solution. I'm sure it's on Amazon, um, wired to eat. And then also the newer one, sacred cow, which he co uh, co-authored with Diana Rogers. And, um, and then you have a, you have a community, just give that one a shout out real quick. Yeah, it's just called the Healthy Rebellion, and so if you search Healthy Rebellion and Healthy Rebellion Radio, that's the podcast that I do awesome. with my wife around that. Yeah, that's awesome. And then what uh, I'll do is I'll put all that stuff in the in the in the show notes. So that for you listeners, you got to check out Rob. I mean, many of you have already probably tuned into some of his stuff. Good for you. If you haven't, it's time to do it because it's really changed the way I see nutrition, and um, it's it's made a big difference in my life. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Brotherhood of Fatherhood. If you are a dude, you can um, join our our Facebook group if you're kind of into that thing. If you're not, you can follow us on Instagram, Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.